Hey there, just a quick reminder, we have a mentorship program if you're looking for personalized coaching and mentorship to help guide you to the next level of your interior design business, whatever that might look like for you, whether it's processes and procedures or what services to offer to how to incorporate wellness, intention, or spirituality into your projects, come join us over at designcoven.com forward slash join. Or if you're just in search to connect with other like-minded interior designers, you can join our free community also located at designcoven.com forward slash joy. Welcome back to episode 89 of the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Troy Silva of Mona Life, who is a landscape architect here in San Diego. But before we dive into that episode, I wanted to give you one last reminder about our career fair design connection, which is happening in person here in Laguna. If you're in Southern California, this is a beautiful opportunity to one, hire somebody for your interior design business. Or if you're a candidate looking to be hired, an opportunity to meet with hiring interior design firms. As a candidate, you'll have your own table uh, where you can showcase your website, your portfolio and resumes, and you'll have time to meet each one of the hiring designers and their firm to connect and to discover opportunities there for you. If you're in San Diego, we are doing a carpool, so you don't have to drive up alone. Yeah, I'm just super excited. It's a free event. You can find out information at designconnection.eventbrite. But yeah, so getting back to our episode today, we are connecting with Troy Silva of Mona Life. Troy is a compassionate, generous, and resilient person. Since graduating from Cornell University with a degree in landscape architecture with an emphasis in environmental psychology, Troy has gained two decades of experience designing and creating a dream world for people across the globe. Ultimately, he's inspired by nature and fueled by uplifting others. He is also a great chef and a total plant geek, something he's a real life Dr. Doolittle because of his ability to sense the needs of plants and animals, which is so beautiful and fascinating. And I'm just so inspired by Troy in our interview today. And I hope you are too. Enjoy. You're listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. This is a podcast that guides you as a new or inspiring independent interior designer navigating your entrepreneurial path. Here with my over 20 years experience, I will share my holistic approach to design with intention and ancient practices, including feng shui, all incorporating mind, body, and spirit into my design projects. You will also learn from seasoned interior designers as they give strategies and insight of how they built their businesses and continue to work in the field. Together, we will discover supportive trade partners, new ideas, creatives, and inspiring artists from around the world. I am your host, Rachel Lorraine Crawford. Hello, and welcome back to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. I have Troy Silva here with us today, which I'm super excited about. This is our first landscape architect joining us today, which I think is so important when we're um, working with clients and 
the natural elements. So this is going to be really fantastic. So welcome, Troy. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, I'm going to pull a crystal card. Okay. Um, just to see what sort of energy we're looking at for today or what we might need to know. Or We have Kunzite. So beautiful. I think this really pretty um, stone and the uh, words here are love, divine connection, and creativity. It, of course, is connected to the heart chakra. And the affirmation is, I release what doesn't serve me and fill myself with love. I love that. Very helpful. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I could use some insight at any time. I'm going to go ahead and light a candle. I've got a beautiful beeswax candle for days. Let's go ahead and just connect with the energy of fire i love that for creativity and troy is outside and it's beautiful and i'm super excited about that too <laughs> are you at a client's house i am yes amazing um so i'd love to to ask you know what's home for you what's home for you at the moment it could be anything about home the physical home you're meeting a home kind of just where you are with that I mean, I feel most at home outside and with gardens, so I can pretty much feel at home anywhere, but San Diego really is home base because of uh, family and uh, my beloved San Diego Zoo that sort of inspired me um, as a young child to get into what I do. Ah, uh, yeah, the zoo. And you've done some, some work there, right? I did, actually, way back in... Uh, college it was my summer internship at a very small firm called uh, Neary Landscape Architecture and it was a great opportunity because I was the third in um, what was only formerly two people and got to be uh, you know enjoying a whole summer kind of at the ground level uh, working on some award-winning exhibits at the zoo and the uh, sister park the San Diego Safari Park. Oh my gosh. So is that how you kind of got into this world? Like what's the, what's the origin story of you coming into the world of plants and healing? Yeah. I mean, from a really young age, I can remember even the really early stroller memories of being pushed around at the zoo. <laughs> um, yeah. And also my grandparents having sort of the square foot gardens and growing our own food and that sort of thing. So I can't really remember a time where I wasn't into this world because it's some of my earliest memories. Um, I always had pets and aquariums and terrariums and uh, a whole little zoo and kind of created my worlds in the backyard too. Um, and I, I would say that it might have been a response to being a latchkey kid and not being able to <laughs> go out of uh, the house and whatnot, but it okay. was a, a great... Uh, a great kind of um, childhood still to me. And it inspired me to um, want to design for the zoo and have animals um, before I even knew what the correct major was, I guess. And so it kind of gave me direction. I was highly specialized from the beginning and went to Cornell, like knowing that that might be impressive to <laughs> the little teeny firm that works at the- uh, You're sure. Award-winning exhibit, so. That was my goal from the beginning was to go find the place that designed the zoo <laughs> and do oh my gosh 
That's so incredible. I love that you knew at such a young age exactly where you wanted to go and where you wanted to work. We, we find, you know, I, I see like some people kind of just find their way to these spaces and then some people like know and, and you're one of those that just knew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can't uh, imagine not doing it. <laughs> I think that I'm sort of scatterbrained and I try a lot of different versions of it, furniture lines and all these different things, but it always comes back to the... Uh, plant inspiration and the animal inspiration kind of no matter which um, format it takes on. And can you share with me what the um, the journey was to go off on your own and to create your own business and, and yeah. how that kind of played out? Definitely. So it was interesting because I sort of had that, um, I guess they call it the arrival fallacy very early on. <laughs> Uh, sophomore year of college, getting that internship, I realized um, the profession of landscape architecture often involves sitting at a desk and drafting on CAD and um, not being outside at all. <laughs> uh, very little connection um, to the actual landscape and the creations. And so at one point I felt like tortured in what I thought was going to be a dream job so it was almost the oh, right yeah by default the adhd and the um just feeling like i could relate to designing in that way as much i love the sort of ideation and the creativity when we'd be there um you know spitballing concepts and sketching and that was sort of you know one morning and then the project went back to cad and so your actual time to be creative and sort of feel like you're um, coming up with these dream worlds is very small. And then the execution, sort of the design documents and the uh, creation of what felt like sort of a legal document of who gets sued when things go wrong. <laughs> right. You know, 95% of the, of the job. Um, and all things that I loved learning, but just the idea of sitting there day after day behind a desk, even though we got off at two so that the boss could go surfing, it was just too much oh to bear. So I sort of mid mid college had this crisis of, is this the right thing? What am I supposed to do? Um, but I stayed in the major and just sort of like pivoted a bit, knowing that I wanted to do entrepreneurship and business and real estate development and sort of all these different classes. I went into this mode of like a all-you-can-eat buffet of of uh, extracurriculars and taking on as many wow. possible to try to figure out what exactly I could do with this interest. Um, and that led to starting the business before I graduated um, in Los Angeles. I had a classmate and a few friends that were there, went back to visit and um, sort of got a couple of jobs um, right away. And before even graduating, I was going back on summer breaks and, uh, you know, getting projects done in the little bit of time wow. I had. Yeah, it led to a lot of different things. Um, I graduated sort of right before the recession in 2008. And um, I was doing really well in high-end residential and then sort of had to pivot um, to a lot of different things like retail, creating furniture lines and just it always felt like I was every two years sort of reinventing yeah. how I was creating landscapes and, and environments. But uh, I think that wealth of experience over the decades sort of really honed me into what I love and 
um, has made me stronger for it. So, yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like you got a ton of information while you're in the internship, while you were still in school, understanding almost like what kind of business you wanted and what kind of business mm. you didn't want. And exactly. you were doing some side hustles and all through that time to really develop your skills and gain experience. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend other students or people going in that same uh, path that you did? Or do you have some advice or some tips on, on maybe what thinking uh, differently? Or? A double-edged sword for me um, because at one point I feel like I didn't have an option. Um, I felt sort of unemployable, even though I had the degree and, and had a path in front of me. I wasn't going to be good at doing it that way. So I would say that anyone who feels that way, maybe don't put yourself through the torture of kind of staying within the box and doing it the way that it's expected. Um, but maybe if you don't feel that way, you'll save yourself a lot of heartache and trial and error and, you know, a roller coaster of a career um, by following the beaten path. So it just depends on your risk tolerance, I yeah, think, and suitable you are for I, the existing path versus carving your own. <laughs> yeah, I think that's such valuable information that you just shared about, um, you know, feeling the pressure to have to do it a certain way because this is how it's been done. This is how people do it and mm -hmm. to give people permission to carve their own path and do it their own way when they can truly feel in their bodies that this isn't right for me. I don't yeah. thrive in this atmosphere or this environment and to really follow our hearts and where we're getting pulled. And it seems like you were able to do that so early. <laughs> yeah, again, like not by choice, almost by necessity. I couldn't, uh, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I felt I would rather go back to waiting tables, which I did all through high school and kind of college to pay bills than sit at that desk I'd rather have a yeah. side passion than do it in a way that just felt so uncomfortable and so unnatural to me yeah for sure so can you tell me a bit about how your um, business is structured now and like how do you make it so that you're thriving and you're feeling good and you're not feeling kind of chained to yeah you know your computer and having things so regimented yeah exactly well i haven't used uh my laptop in two years so that's a oh my god <laughs> um i do it all on my phone uh even invoicing and whatnot um i'm always at a different garden every day we do the the design as well as the the installation and maintenance um we work with other third-party installers because uh, we're still Protocol consulting and design. So can I ask you, um, how do you design when you're not on a computer and you're doing it on your phone? Are you like, what does that look like? Do you have a program that you're like inputting the plants? And um, I think it's really not very attached to any sort of screen time or technology other than I sort of document the space when I get to it, if I'm even remembering to do that. Um, <laughs> mostly so internal and just the way that I sense the space and feel the space. Um, I have a very like photographic memory when it comes to plants and environments specifically. Wow. Uh, so I can pretty much walk into it. And the first thing that happens to me is this sense of what's what's broken, I guess, um, or what's mm -hmm. not aligned with the owner's personalities and lifestyles. Um, and so that feels sort of like a alarm going off more than more than an exciting, you know, look at all the opportunities. Feels like something that I sort of need to fix for them. Um, 
to help uplift them and improve their lives. And sort of an example of that could mean um, someone that has a child with autism, uh, for instance. I'm actually on the spectrum, um, sort of the Asperger's ADHD side. And so I can relate to this sort of feeling that certain things that are in people's subconscious normally that maybe only affect them mildly will affect um, people on the spectrum uh, just because of the heightened senses and everything. So yeah. it could be the fact that they moved from a house that had a lot of shade trees and the child spent a lot of time outside and now they're in the hills and there's no shade and the backyard is very hilly instead of a valley um, and all these things, you know, this is an actual example that I'm talking about where a client's child went from being like a total outdoor, happy, fun-loving child to not wanting to ever leave the room and depressed and not wanting to go to school. Oh and, my God. and so wow. it feels like I'm going in more as a psychiatrist of sorts and sort of like sensing what's sensing and hearing what is uh, wrong with the homeowner or the family that's like living there. Um, and then how to align the environment with that. So that's sort of my first thing is like deal with all the negative sensory triggers. Then it ends up that I'm thinking about how do I add the positive ones such as the shade in that instant yep. or um, the sound of water or the smells that were of mint and things like that. Uh, kind of re-sparking the wonder of, you know, you might not have that set of environment, but now you have all these other ones and did you know you could eat this and did you know that this does this and so it's sort of getting to know the client but also like the goal is always to get rid of those negative triggers re-spark the wonder and then like add all the positive triggers back in and so that's something yeah. i don't feel like can be put through a computer program at all <laughs> um the actual execution yeah. of the design is very much going to different nurseries and seeing what's available and sort of having this ecological puzzle in my mind, I'd say. And it's filling in all of those puzzle pieces with what's the best available um, based off of these journeys. So it's it's always hard for me to sort of like uh, put that process into a rigid format, but it's definitely like a series of events that's uh, pretty flexible. And so it's led me to create a lot of very different types of environments, um, not your typical you know, landscape designs. I've done experiential marketing um, where I was problem solving for corporate clients in that way and trying to connect people to brands emotionally. Um, yeah. I've done a series of different things, a lot of edible gardens, um, but I always say that they're all sort of botanical gardens in their own sense or sort of experiential museums. Um, Absolutely. In fact, the name of the company, Mona, uh, that acronym originally meant Museum of Natural Art and then it sort of evolved into Ministry of Natural Alignment as I was getting more holistic and understanding um, from the spiritual and sort of scientific side, uh, sort of bridges that I was noticing. Um, and I had a physical space then, but as I moved back to San Diego and realized the acronym still so flexible, Mona became Mona Life and it just stood for more natural life. Because in general, I think that's what I'm trying to do is sort of place people into an environment where they feel more a part of nature, more a part of the ecosystem instead of um, separate and sort of lonely from 
from the yeah. world. Oh my gosh, I just absolutely adore this. I, I think you've been able to really hone like your skills of being so sensitive and feeling and letting that drive your business versus, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> what everyone else is doing on the computer and creating right. these plans and selecting all these plants and things where you're like in their environments, you're connecting with what's there now, you're going to their local nursery, what's yep. growing in that space. How do I connect this to that? And that's just the most amazing, beautiful thing. I, I'm so like, <laughs> I'm so in awe of you and what you're doing and how you've created this beautiful business that is not only in alignment with your client, but it's in alignment with yourself and how you thrive and how you work. And I think that's really inspiring. And I think other people, um, you're gonna open up the doors and the box for people and how they think of their business because mm -hmm. I feel like we do get so stuck here. Um, and there are so many holistic interior designers that are listening to this that I know will want to work with you and connect with you. And um, yeah, I just think <laughs> you're just such a breath Looking of forward to that. fresh air. Yeah. Do you have any things coming up that you're super excited about that you want to share with us or? Um, yeah, definitely. It's still in the early stages. Um, but I would say there's two big projects um, that are sort of passion projects, I guess subsets of what my main business is. The first is I wanna create something that's much more accessible to a wider range of people. Um, mm -hmm. I think the sort of downside of what I do and how I do it is it becomes like super limited for like a very high-end clientele with um, a large budget. Um, I'm not able to sort of do these like five plants and then mulch landscapes that maybe are more economical. Um, yeah. Both pocketbooks into my time even. Um, but I have recently been using, ever since I did the Ministry of Natural Alignment um, Wellness Center in Vegas, I realized like how much nature wants to sort of create on its own. Um, mm. things that I saw before and maybe a lot of designers see before as weeds or things that they didn't intentionally put there um, became more gifts and what do these plants do? Are they medicinal? Are they edible? Uh, it sort of pulled a thread, you know, this uh, metaphorical sweater in my mind <laughs> of what happens if you just take all the seeds and all this potential and mix it with all the right sort of fungi, fungal spores, beneficial bacteria and uh, minerals and all these different things and put it in a mix and just shake it all up and just throw it somewhere and see which ones. Wow. <laughs> um, and so I started to call like what I was doing almost the anti-farming. Um, and so basically the concept is unfarm and it's wow. to be a way to get people based off of their existing like site conditions and um, where they're located in the world, they'll get sort of a monthly box of these oh my gosh. Uh, seeds and everything already there. So you don't have to go buy iron over here and gypsum over here and a million seed packets and all that. You're getting a mix of all the potential <laughs> all in one. And you identify well, part well. of your yard that's really easy, like maybe 200 square feet or so. And you just start documenting and throwing those seeds down and from there you can really curate 
your garden um, with nature. So I always say that I like to co-create with nature because it's those unexpected things that are just so amazing. And then sort of like the plants choosing to grow there, yeah. you taking it from somewhere and putting it there and hoping that it will do well. So it becomes a very economical and very sort of in tuned with nature way of uh, of creating that's sort of an undesign and unfarm on everything. And then secondarily, uh, I have a property in the woods in Oklahoma where I'm trying to create sort of a, it's a food forest already naturally. And we're sort of adding to the biodiversity and then building um, little tiny cabins and doing hopefully uh, retreats around holistic living and um, sort of sustainable eating and foraging um, without damaging an environment. Um, all these sorts of workshops and retreats can can happen. Beautiful. It becomes a sort of cure for the modern world burnout <laughs> that we all get, I think. Absolutely. Sort of um, experience what it's like to just live like off of the land and sort of a a true gritty way, but also like you sort of realize like the luxury that's just around you um, and the abundance and, and everything that's there. And so I think it again goes back to that kind of wanting to spark wonder, wanting to help uplift people and uh, maybe selfishly get them to see the world more like me so that I don't feel like such an alien. <laughs> um, <laughs> That might be a big drive, but yeah, yeah I'm excited because it's uh, really beautiful and I love spending time there personally. And I always feel like anything that I enjoy, I want to share with other yeah. people. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I want to, I want to dive into your world. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> well, uh, what do you think the unfarming boxes will be launching? So I'm still figuring out the logistics and sort of the infographic movies and working with different freelancers on Fiverr and sort of assembling a team. Yeah. Um, it's been a little stop start, but we're we're close to launching at least locally in San Diego. Um, where the variables are gonna be a little more limited. Um, yeah. And then we'll probably slowly add different metropolitan areas. Ideally I'd love to grow off of that my my big vision for the two point yeah. sort of this Everyone has different unfarms and each of these different spaces grow different things because it wants yep. to grow there in abundance. Um, but then the problem you end up with is say, I don't like um, Egyptian spinach. <laughs> I yeah. really like Egyptian spinach, um, but everyone else that I know does like it. And then maybe this person over here is growing all this um, St. John's wort or something that I need for my um, yeah. making teas and things. And so it'd be this sort of exchange, non-monetary, where they're able to trade. Um, but I'd like to sort of minimize the environmental impact of all the shipping. And so I'm thinking mm -hmm. that if we have these sort of regional electric vehicles of some sort that kind of picks up at one, drops off at the other. So it needs that complicated lift sort of Uber algorithm to be able to pull it all off. But if you're always reusing the same boxes and putting what you don't want in it and then that's going to someone that does want it and picking up and you know that would be my ultimate Love it. or it where it's like sort of a social community of um of sharing abundance and receiving um, 
back, you know, what you what you desire. Because the yeah. flip side of this process is you can't always get exactly what you want. You sort of have right. to understand what your what your limitations are and what you're given. And over time, your options increase more as the soil becomes more alive and they are able to get more biodiversity. But you do tend to have a lot of one thing early on, like a lot of daikon radishes. If you had right. that was rocky and that's the only thing that could jackhammer through it, you know? Um, oh my God. So yeah, it's, I'm trying to scale down my grand vision to launch the sort of beta version and mm -hmm. uh, add all those functionalities later. Super cool. Well, count me in for the beta. I'm totally <laughs> down for it. And I know a lot of other people will be too. So, and we'll keep everyone um, alerted as to when the salt launches and all the things that you're doing. Perfect. Um, and Troy is a frequent um, guest at our co-working events that we have here in San Diego on Wednesdays, which is open to everybody, all creative entrepreneurs, designers. Um, and then we also just launched the community membership in Design Coven. It's the free tier. So um, we'd love to have you there too, Troy, and just to connect and support each other. And Absolutely. Um, yeah. So how can, how can we find you? Uh, are you yeah. Instagram or website? Yeah. Because of my lack of uh, <laughs> screen time, uh, the best way to uh, reach me is definitely still the website and email. So it's www.monalife.org. That's uh, M-O-N-A life, L-I-F-E dot org. And then my email that um, people reach out to me directly at is Troy at monolife.org. Beautiful. Oh, I love it. It was so great seeing you here in this context and then always yep. in, in person. It's always fantastic. Thank you, Troy, so much for coming on and sharing with all of us your story, the plants, and I know we'll be learning from you in the near future. <laughs> Thank you. I look forward to it. You've been listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. If it's one that you have been enjoying, please share with anyone else that you think can benefit from this knowledge and leave us a five-star review that helps us get seen and found by other new and aspiring interior designers. And if you're looking for mentorship, I invite you to join our club here at the Design Coven. It's a bridge between school and real life interior design. We get in much deeper there. We have virtual and in-person events. So everyone is welcome. You don't need to have a design degree to be part of it. Just an interest in holistic interior design. I also want to thank our editor, Marcy Ferry, Blake Ferris, for all of her special help with the podcast, our social media posts, newsletter, and lastly, Kinseth Thibodeau, who is our music composer. Until next time, be well, and we will see each other soon.